0: All right, well, we're going fully electronic this morning. Let's see. Password. <laughs> A little bit of glare. That should do it there. Battery's at 79%. That gives me mm, five, six hours. Should be <laughs> enough time, I think. Um, Anyway, Sarah asked me to introduce myself this morning. I guess that means that I'm no longer considered a guest speaker, uh, which makes sense. My family and I have been going here for about, uh, I think it's been about 20 years now. It's quite a long time. If you don't know who I am, my name is Terry. Um, I have been asked to speak on Sunday mornings a few times uh, uh, here at the church here. And I guess the last time that I was asked to speak, I guess I didn't say anything too problematic because Josh has asked me to speak again. This time I'll try a little harder so that doesn't happen again. (laughs) So with that said, I'm going to start off today by saying something maybe a little bit inappropriate, just to maybe jostle anyone who needs a bit of a wake-up today. So you're going to misunderstand me probably when I say this, but give me a chance to explain probably heard that one before. So the sermon series that Josh has been doing for the last few weeks about giving stuff up, I want to say I haven't liked everything he's had to say. Now before you get upset with me for dissing the pastor, because we should never do that, right? For sure. What I want to say is if Josh said everything we liked up here, he probably wouldn't be doing his job properly, right? I had a New Testament professor back when I went to school who said that if the teachings of Jesus didn't make us uncomfortable, we would probably be not interpreting them correctly. So I think that that's what Josh has been doing during this sermon series. He's been making me uncomfortable. I mean, his first message, was about giving up control. I don't want to sit in the passenger seat, right? I want to drive. I didn't like that. And then his next message was about giving up our need, our, our superiority complexes, right? And, and we all have them, whether we know it or not. But let's, let's face the facts this morning. The Leafs are better than the Habs, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, it is obvious, right? And then thirdly, last week, he talked about giving up our need to hate our enemies. The message was about loving our enemies. Again, that's what they're there for, right? Like, why would we love? I don't want to love my enemies. So the messages have, been made, have made me a little bit uncomfortable. Jesus so often talks to us about giving something up now so that later we might get something else, something that might be better. But I want what I've got right now and what he has in store for me later. Is anybody on the same page as me? I mean, I want whatever stuff I can have now and whatever he's got for me in future or in eternity. Can't I have both? I want to have both. So this kind of stuff that we're talking about makes me uncomfortable. So my message this morning, guess what? It's the same kind of stuff. In fact, I'll be honest, I don't really like what I have to say this morning. And I'm thinking, if I don't like what I'm going to say this morning, (laughs) you're probably not going to like it either. So I think we're in for a real treat this morning. (laughs) When Josh sent me through email the message topic that he wanted me to speak on this morning, I looked at it and I remember thinking, that's a real doozy. I don't know, do people say doozy anymore? Maybe I'm just aging myself there. But before I tell you what that is, I want to start off by saying that when I grew up, I never actually knew what Lent was. I didn't know that. I did grow up in the church, but we didn't talk about Lent. In fact, it was my wife that introduced me to the concept of Lent. Uh, When we were dating a little while ago, might be exaggerating a little bit, Uh, She she used to give up chocolate for Lent, and that's where I figured out, you know, what it was about. So Josh could have given me a message this morning, you know, giving up chocolate. I could have worked with something like that. But instead, this morning, he gave me the topic of giving up your life. Giving up your life. Like, what are we going to do with that this morning? This is tough. So initially, when I was planning for what I was going to say this morning, I thought, how do I make a topic like this practical? How do I make it realistic? You know, martyrdom is not something practical today. You know, chances are very likely that no one's going to have to actually give up their life for Jesus in our day and age, in our culture anyways. So what's practical? Well, I thought, you know, giving up little things. Giving up little things, that's, that's practical. We can all do that giving up a little time, helping a friend, you know, small acts of kindness, right? We all talk about that, and those are good things. And then, you know, I could formulate in my message that the sum of many acts of kindness makes a real big difference in our community. And this is a great thing. This would be a great message, right? It's like what we do with Halloween for hunger every year, right? I mean, that is, when you think of it, There's about a hundred volunteers from our church. That's a hundred acts of kindness, right? And then we leverage many other acts of kindness in our community where people are giving food. And we've got basically hundreds of acts of kindness culminating together, and we make a difference in our community. And these are all, this is great stuff that we do. But for the topic this morning, does that fit? And I realized, and I had to rethink and kind of redo my work, and I realized that that's not the message for today. It's a good message. But what I found, I found as I looked at the words of Jesus that he actually has a lot to say about giving up our lives. And I kept bumping into his words where he clearly tells his followers that they need to go to a whole different level. And it's a level where we're probably going to feel uncomfortable. Now, this morning, I'm actually not going to have a lot of answers. You probably come to church Sunday morning expecting to hear a message with a lot of answers. The reality, though, is today, there's a good chance that you're going to leave with more questions than you've got answers. So today, I'm going to, what I'm going to try to do is give you some thoughts, give us all some thoughts, for us to wrestle with, for us to talk to each other about, and for us to pray about. So I think we have to start this morning with the question that we got to answer first. Did Jesus actually ask us to give our lives for him? You know, there's a common Christian phrase, if I can call it that, you know, when someone decides to follow Jesus, we often say that that person gave their lives to the Lord that that person gave their lives to Jesus? Are those just words? Are those just intentions? What does this really mean? So let's take a look at what Jesus says. We're gonna start in Matthew chapter chapter 10, starting at verse 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There's some radical commitment that Jesus is talking about here. And when he says, take up the cross, that's really what we're talking about this morning. It's the example of Jesus giving his life for us. And he, in this passage, is asking each one of us to take up our cross and follow him. Clearly saying something about giving up our lives. But, is this just mentioned once, maybe? You know, maybe we're overemphasizing something here, right? Well, six chapters later, same Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 24, starting there. Matthew writes, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now again, if you're sitting there this morning thinking, what have I signed up for here? Does Jesus really want me to give my life up for him? Does he really mean this literally? It's a good question. Let's keep looking. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, Mark says the same thing we just read about in Matthew. And then in Luke, chapter 9, Luke talks about the same thing again. Clearly, what we're talking about here must be important if the first three gospel writers are all including this in their message. And John talks about this too, but he gets very specific, so we're going to deal with that a little bit later. Luke, a second time, emphasizes this again in chapter 14. He adds some other elements, so we're going to read a little bit of that this morning. Chapter 14, starting at verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now let me pause there for a second. Clearly, Jesus is not asking us to hate our families. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. That doesn't fit with the rest of his teaching. But I think what he's doing here, he's creating a very stark contrast. He's trying to tell us what this commitment is really about. And then later, he concludes some of the stuff he's saying with this. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So do you see how this is a tough message this morning? Do we take this at face value? Is it an exaggeration? Or is saying it's an exaggeration maybe maybe an excuse to avoid the radicalness of the message of Jesus here? So let's consider the disciples. How did they react to these kind of, this message of Jesus? What was their commitment like? Well, right from the beginning, we know that the disciples gave up a lot to follow Jesus. We know that uh, Peter and Andrew, they were fishermen. They gave up their jobs to follow Jesus. Matthew was a tax collector. He gave up his job to follow Jesus too. He probably made a lot of money. And think of how committed the disciples were. I mean, we know that the disciples struggled with their faith while they were with Jesus. They doubted, they had wrong ideas, but they were committed. Peter once says to Jesus, we have given up everything to follow you. And check this one out, Thomas. The example of Thomas here. There was a time uh, where their friend Lazarus had just died, and Jesus talks about going back to Judea back to a place where the Jews had just tried to kill him. What does Thomas say to the other disciples? Let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas knew that going back meant almost certain death, and his attitude was, if Jesus is going, I'm going. Could this be what Jesus meant, or at least a little bit about what he meant about taking up the cross? Thomas was all in. Where Jesus went, he would follow, no matter what. What about after Jesus left them? How did the disciples take this message then? Well, there's a lot of many documented accounts in history about what happened to the disciples. Some of these come from reliable sources. Some of these come from church tradition. Some people think church tradition is reliable. Others don't. So I'm just calling that out this morning. But what what is very clear is that many and probably most of the disciples did give their life for Jesus. We know from reliable sources, multiple reliable sources, that Peter and Paul were both martyred in Rome during a Christian persecution under an emperor by the name of Nero. Some sources say that Andrew traveled to modern-day Ukraine, later to Greece, where he was crucified, just like Jesus. Thomas spent time preaching the message of Jesus in Syria, traveled as far as India, where he too lost his life for Jesus, according to tradition. And there's a lot of other stories and sources that talk to us about the demise of the other disciples. John may have been the only disciple that wasn't actually martyred, but we know he was exiled to an island called Patmos, where many believe he wrote the last book of our Bible. So I think what we've run into here, I think what Jesus has made clear, and what the example of the disciples and what their thinking has made clear also, is that Jesus is indeed asking us for our lives. He's asking us not just for small acts of kindness. He wants that but he's asking us for our lives. I think it's tempting to minimize what Jesus is saying here. For me, and maybe for some of you, we tend to think exaggeration when the things in the teachings of Jesus are uncomfortable. Sometimes I think we ignore some things he says. We just chop that up to, I I must not understand. I think sometimes we even purposely misinterpret things to soften the meaning, make it mean something different, to to make it more comfortable. Here's an example that probably a lot of us are familiar with. Now, when I give this example, there are going to be people here from my house church and even from my own family that you're going to hear some groaning from. Okay, there will. Because I use this example very, very frequently and some of them will be able to call it out probably what I'm going to say right now. (laughs) The parable of the Good Samaritan. You hear it right there. I talk about this all the time. How many of us, how many churches, how many people in our society think that this is a story about being good, about being nice, the good Samaritan? How many organizations, there's many organizations, that are named after this parable with this interpretation? The reality is the parable doesn't mean that. Ultimately, what Jesus is teaching here is that we need to love the people that we hate. We need to love our enemies. That's what this parable is about. And that is a much more uncomfortable message. It's what Josh was talking about last Sunday. The message is clear in the text. It's not up to someone's interpretation. If you look what Jesus says before and how he talks about the parable afterwards, it's clear that that's what it means but I think we miss that because it's uncomfortable and I think it's tempting to minimize the level of commitment that Jesus is asking from us so when we hear the words of Jesus pick up your cross and follow me in the same way I think it's easy to set aside set that aside not not think about it too much but it is mentioned again and again and again It's easy to soften the meaning, but the cross, back in Jesus' time, was not something that we wore around our necks. It was the most brutal form of capital punishment at the time. Folks, I think we have to come to grips with the fact that Jesus is calling us to a radical commitment, to radical discipleship, to giving up our lives. And what what this means is different depending on when and where you live. For the disciples, it really did mean giving up their lives. For us, it probably means something different. But the call to radical commitment is the same. So let me pause here for a second, because I've been using this word radical. This word radical is pretty dangerous, especially when we're talking about um, religious stuff, right? But what I want to say is that being a radical follower of Jesus is not about radical religion. In fact, Jesus gives us no indication that he came to start a new religion. In fact, he pushed back on many of the religious ideals of his time. Following Jesus is not about being religious. It's about giving giving ourselves to the mission that Jesus has for us, or as he put it 2,000 years ago, about being part of the kingdom of God. It's just like Jesus states in the Lord's Prayer that many of us are familiar with. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, I don't think this is a passive message for us to hope that God does it. It's our goal. It's our work to do as followers of Jesus with his help. It's a radical commitment and it's a radical purpose. But it's not dangerous to those around us. There may be times when it's dangerous to us. Radical in the context of Jesus is about radical peace, radical love that includes your enemies. Radical generosity. It's often about giving things up. About giving up our lives. So, we've talked theory now, okay? We've talked theory. What do we do about this practically? How do we practice this without watering it down? How do we stay true to the message of Jesus and this radical challenge that he's given us? Again, like I said earlier, I don't have all the answers here. But I'm hoping that these thoughts will be helpful that I have. What it means is that when someone is in real need, we give according to the need, not according to what's comfortable. And when I say give, I'm not just talking about money here. Money is just one of many examples. But this is not just about kindness. It's fix the problem, no matter what it takes, no matter what the cost. Remember last month, when many of us, as a church community, we were buying diapers, right? To help out with a need in the community. I'm going to tell you what I did. And maybe you did the same thing that I did. Maybe you thought the same way I did. I was in Costco. I remember going to the diaper section, which is pretty big. I remember looking up to where the price tag was. 45 bucks for a pack of diapers. 45 bucks for a pack, like my kids are now adults, right? So it's been a while, but 45 bucks for a pack of diapers? Is there tax on that? I didn't check my receipt, but wow. But then I thought, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, I'm not really going to notice if I buy that. I won't really have to give anything up. And that's the thinking that directed me on what I could give. My comfort level. If I'm comfortable, it doesn't really impact me. So that's what I can give. Now, I'm thinking what we've covered so far this morning. Does that fit? Is that the way Jesus wants us to give? Now, granted, if a box of diapers from each of us serves the need, then that makes sense, and that's okay, right? But to give based on comfort is not what Jesus is calling us to do. Again, the message of Jesus tells us that when someone is in need, we give according to the need, not according to our comfort level. That doesn't mean selling everything we have and giving to the poor. I mean, continuous generosity is gonna do more than that. We've gotta be smart. We've gotta be strategic, especially in a group like ours, like a church, right? But we've gotta make sure that thinking I gotta be smart is not an excuse not to do anything. Taking up our cross, giving up our lives, is about doing the right thing when it's not worth it. We like things about Christianity when it's an advantage to us, when following Jesus is good for us, when it's comfortable, when it's worth it. But the Jesus-following way is about doing it when it's not worth it, when we don't get anything for it. And I think that's the key to taking up our cross. Another thing I think being a radical follower of Jesus is about, it's about being ready. It's about being ready when a possible sacrifice, when we have an opportunity to sacrifice for an uncomfortable need. Jesus often talks about being ready in the New Testament. I think it applies here. We have to have the attitude that what is ours doesn't belong to us. We need to be ready to give when there's a need. That might mean being careful not to get into too much debt. Because if we're so busy paying off our debts, when a friend, church member, family member has a disaster in their lives, how can we help? It's about making sure we're not too busy too. If we don't have time to help, what happens when somebody needs our time? Are we ready? I also think this means being better at going out and finding these uncomfortable situations. And it might mean a sacrifice to our money, or our time. It might mean loving someone that we really don't want to love. So let's drive this to its inevitable conclusion here. Maybe you're thinking this. Here's a problem that we're probably gonna need to wrestle with. If Jesus wants us to take the initiative, if he wants us to go out and find the needs, I, I think he does we won't have any trouble finding them. How much do we sacrifice? If Jesus tells us to pick up our cross, to give our lives, how far do we go? I don't have the answer to that this morning. Maybe I don't want to have the answer to that this morning. But what I do know is that we give, if we give according to our comfort level, that's not the answer. Let me clarify something just in case somebody's getting the wrong idea this morning. I'm in no way saying that someone can't be a Christian and be comfortable, okay? I just want to call that out there. Please don't get the wrong idea. What I am saying is that Jesus is calling us to more. So how can we best wrestle with this radical message of Jesus? How how can we even scratch the surface on this expectation that he has? Here are some, maybe somewhat incomplete, but here are three suggestions that I have for us this morning to help us wrestle with this challenge that Jesus gives us. Three points this morning. First one's probably the most helpful one. Number one is remember that you're not alone. Why did Jesus create the church? He created it because he knew that we couldn't do this alone. It's okay to say, help, help me with this incredible challenge that you've given me, given us. This is why the church is so important. It's our collective ability to carry out the mission that Jesus has for us. And check this out. If we all here had the attitude that our lives belong to Jesus... What great things could we accomplish? Huge things. But let me give some small examples this morning. We've all got different skills. We've got different financial situations. We've got different things that we're passionate about. Some of us are tech savvy. Some of us know how to build things. I certainly don't. Just ask my wife. Ask some of my friends who have bailed me out in the past. I'm looking at them right now. Some of us are good with regulatory and bureaucratic things. Some of us are great with people. Some of us are not, and that is okay. Some of us are great with kids. We've got a big kids' ministry here. I could probably use some help. From what I hear, we're looking at a possible future building project for the church. It sounds like it might focus on accessibility. That sounds important, it also sounds expensive there may be an opportunity for some of us to sacrifice. Maybe it means a staycation instead of a vacation. Maybe it means a used car instead of that shiny new Tesla. Maybe it means I don't actually need that big screen TV because I've already got one upstairs, right? What's more important? Number two, kind of going off where I was going in the last one. Number two is let's be willing to get uncomfortable. Let's be willing to stretch ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that if you're bad at building things, to go and join the maintenance committee, okay? I mean, I don't want the stall door to fall off when I'm in the washer, (laughs) okay? I mean, that's not the kind of uncomfortable that we're talking about here this morning, okay? I think I just got away with a bathroom joke on Sunday morning. The good part is I can't get fired. all right, now where was I? (laughs) What I'm saying is try to find something you're good at, something you're passionate about if you can. But let's be willing to be pushed. Let's be willing to go beyond our comfort level. You know, if buying one pack of diapers is comfortable, try buying four. Number three. This one is going to sound completely off-topic at first, but trust me, I think it really brings something home here. In the gospel accounts in the New Testament, what did both Jesus and the religious leaders both agree? Yes, agree, they did agree on something. What did they both agree was the most important commandment in the scriptures? You might be thinking, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're asked what the most important commandment is, and you said this, That'd be a good answer. But it might not be the right answer. Or it might not be the best answer. Might bring you back to multiple choice from school, right? Yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself is known as the golden rule. But did you know, maybe some of us have forgotten, that Jesus gave his disciples a new commandment right before he left them? one of the last things he emphasized before he left us. So I'm thinking it's probably really important. Now, at first glance, this new commandment might not look at all. might not look new at all. It might look like the same thing that we just quoted here. But this may be another example where we read the teachings of Jesus and we don't get how radical his message is. This is really cool, what I'm going to show you this morning, I think. So let's take a look. John 13, verse 34. A little bit of context here. Jesus is saying this right after he just washed his disciples' feet, and he's starting to talk about going to the cross. Here's what he said. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Okay, it sounds like old news so far, right? Same thing, but wait for it, there's more. I give you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. Now, if you're like me, you're probably not catching this yet. It took me a while to look at this till the light bulb went off. So, if you're like me, let me let me walk you through this, and hopefully, you get the light bulb moment too. The greatest commandment in the scriptures is about about loving our neighbor. Is love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love? The way you want to be loved, as yourself. The new command is not to love the way you want to be loved, or the way you want love returned to you. No, it's love one another as Jesus loved us. It's a whole different level. It actually blows the cover right off the Old Testament rule. In context, remember, Jesus just washed his disciples' feet, and he's talking about going to the cross. So, here's how this new command fits in with this message today. Love one another as Jesus, who gave up his life for you, loved you. Do you see how radical this message is? Love each other sacrificially. He's asking us to give up our lives for each other. Do you see how this solves so many potential problems? in in a church, I mean, it doesn't mean we don't disagree. It doesn't mean that we don't even have heated arguments. But it does mean that we always have each other's backs. And not only that, Jesus says that this is the greatest way that people will see what following Jesus is all about. And we've got our community looking at us Imagine if they were looking at us going, wow, those people, they love each other. I want, I I need to be part of that. So let me summarize our three points to take away. Three points to try to wrestle with. Number one, we are not alone. We need to work together. Folks, if you're not part of a house church, or if you don't have you know, other believers that you meet with regularly, how are you gonna wrestle with this by yourself? You need others. All of us do. Number two, let's be willing to get uncomfortable. And number three, let's love each other like Jesus loved us. He gave his life for us. (sighs) All right. Last thing that I'm going to say this morning, and you're probably glad that it's the last thing, because this is a heavy one, isn't it? This is heavy. I'm glad it's the last thing I'm going to say this morning, all Right? It's a question with an answer. The question is, what do I, me personally, want to do when I walk out of the church doors this morning with, with what we've dealt with this morning, with what we've talked about? What do I want to do? Maybe some of you are on the same page as me. What do I want to do? I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to forget all about this. I do. I want to forget all about this message. I want to forget about this topic that Josh gave me that I've been struggling with for the last several weeks. I'm being honest. Now, some of you might be thinking, Terry, what a, what a terrible way to end your message, right? <laughs> but I told you you wouldn't like it. And I am being honest here. I want to forget about this. But this is what I think is going to happen. At least I hope that this is what's going to happen, and I hope it'll happen to you too. The next time my house church gets together, somebody's going to ask the question what are we going to do with what we heard last Sunday? And then we're going to struggle. We're going to have to wrestle with that. But we won't be alone. You know, comfortable is boring. It's boring. Stuff and comfort, don't get me wrong here, I like it. I really like it. But it is empty. Jesus has something greater for us. Something that's greater and more important than just me. A mission, a community, a purpose. Please pray with me. God, what you've laid on our hearts this morning, is for some of us maybe it 's exciting, but uh, for most or at the same time or even more it's it's scary, and most of us, myself included, don 't even know where to start, and if we 're being honest, we might not want to. God, we ask that you change us, that you work in us, that you make us, that you make this church West Heights into what you want us to be. Amen.